Pretty much gone are the days when you would have to camp out in front of Best Buy or your favorite store to score that Black Friday deal because pretty much most Black Friday sales uh, start sometimes weeks before the actual Black Friday event. And, you know, if you camp out in front of Best Buy for that new Xbox or whatever, you're short Bitcoin. Fortunately, you don't have to because the Bitcoin Black Friday deal has apparently started early as well. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. you sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the bitcoin bulletin podcast the early bitcoin black friday sale continues although bitcoin isn't quite as cheap as it was if you managed to buy that dip on monday when bitcoin got as low as fifteen thousand four hundred and sixty dollars as you know in addition to doing our dollar cost average i encourage everybody to btfd to buy those dips and i certainly bought that dip uh, i bought that dip significantly uh, not quite fourteen, not quite fifteen thousand four hundred and sixty, but definitely in the fifteen thousand five hundred dollar range. And of course, we don't count that in our uh, DCA stack, so that it doesn't tarnish uh, our data and our uh, hypothesis on the value of dollar cost averaging as an investment strategy. But nonetheless, uh, we did buy the dip, and I hope you did too. However, before we get into all of that, let's take a quick look at the vital statistics. Today is Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. It is DCA Wednesday. And at the time of this recording, Bitcoin is at a blockchain block height of 764,457. And Bitcoin is currently valued at 16,496 US dollars per Bitcoin. And one cock buck is going to get you 6,062 sats. That is a about... 11 sats per dollar more than uh, you would have purchased just last week. Although one of the neat things about the uh, about dollar cost averaging is it does tend to smooth those prices out. I've mentioned this on more than one occasion, but you know if you were watching the wild price swings, it seems like Bitcoin has been horrifically volatile. But if you compare it to Wednesdays, well, last Wednesday, Bitcoin was only you know worth about $26 more than it is right now. And uh, that was only about $500 different from the Wednesday before that. So when you zoom out, uh, when you look at the chart in long, longer term time horizons, Bitcoin isn't quite as volatile as when you're staring at those price swings on a minute by minute or hour by hour basis. Bitcoin's market capitalization is pretty much where it was last week as well at, at $317.0 billion. That's just 0.3 billion below the thir uh, the 317.3 billion that we were last Wednesday, and obviously that's because the price of Bitcoin is just a couple of dollars less than it was last Wednesday. If you value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, uh, Bitcoin is valued about the same. It's going to currently cost you 8.9 ounces of gold to buy one Bitcoin. That is exactly the same amount of gold as it would have cost you to buy a Bitcoin last Wednesday. Although down from the 16 ounces of gold that it would have cost you to purchase one Bitcoin, 
all the way back on Bitcoin Pizza Day. In, uh, that was in, on May 23rd of this year. If you value your wealth in oil, Bitcoin has gotten a, a, little, bit, a little bit cheaper. You will, uh, it will currently cost you 194.82 barrels of Bitcoin to buy just... <laughs> Eek. I'm having a hard time talking today. It will currently cost you 194.82 barrels of oil to purchase just one Bitcoin. That is about 20 barrels of oil more than it would have cost you last week. So uh, oil has gotten a little bit cheaper. Bitcoin has increased in value compared to oil week over week. And for those of you who value your wealth in pizzas, one Bitcoin will currently score you 988 Papa John's pizzas. That is uh, about... Two Papa John's pizzas less than last year, but still a heck of a lot of pizza for just one Bitcoin if you value your wealth in food security, for example. And taking a look at that mempool, the mempool, uh, well, it's it's a little more clogged up than it was just a couple hours ago. I looked at the mempool earlier this morning and there was only one block's worth of transactions pending in my umbral mempool. Currently, there are 24 blocks worth of transactions pending. Nowhere near the 109 blocks that were pending just last Wednesday, but still quite a bit of activity. And hopefully that is a result of that cold rush, people still rushing to get their Bitcoin off of exchanges and or just stacking cheap sats. Uh, both are good to see, uh, whether you're getting your Bitcoin off those exchanges or whether you're just adding to your stack, uh, you'll be happy that you did either one. Despite the clogged up mempool, one sat per byte transactions are still estimated to, to clear within one day. They certainly would have cleared earlier this morning when the mempool was empty. Uh, the fee estimator I'm looking at says that if you want to guarantee your on-chain transaction is included in the next block, you need to include a fee of 27 sats per byte. Um, again, I've never done that. I've never, ever submitted uh, a transaction for more than one sat per byte. And sometimes I, you know, I've had to wait a couple hours for that transaction to confirm. But if you're not in a hurry... You know, if you're not trying to pay somebody for that cup of coffee and hopefully using the Lightning Network for that anyway, uh, and you don't mind waiting a little bit, uh, one SAP provide transaction should still clear. Of course, if you use the replace by fee feature, then it doesn't matter because if that transaction does get hung up or you get uncomfortable with how long it's taking to, uh, taking to confirm, you can boost that fee and get that transaction included right away. That metric you know I like to follow, the 24-hour on-chain transaction rate, is looking a little lackluster. It's coming in at 3.08 transactions per second on average during the last 24 hours. Uh, that is indicative of lackluster price performance, as you know, uh, during the more than a year that I've been doing this podcast. It has worked out that anytime we see more than about 3.14 transactions per second, Bitcoin is usually increasing in value. Although that rule, like so many rules this year, got nullified about two weeks ago when Bitcoin was tanking and we had 3.46 transactions per second on chain. Of course, uh, in this case, a lot of those transactions were hopefully people moving their Bitcoin off of the exchange or taking advantage and buying that dip. But uh, in general, that, um, that observation still has tended to hold over the more than a year that we've been watching it. And as usual, the 3.08 transactions per second is indicative of a Bitcoin price that's kind of going sideways at the moment. Since we last spoke, the Bitcoin mining difficulty had an upward adjustment. It was a very small adjustment. About three days ago, the difficulty to mine one new block increased by 0.5%. That is pretty insignificant. 
although it was an increase and it does mean that mining got just that much less profitable for those of you mining at home or for commercial Bitcoin miners. As you know, Bitcoin is programmed to adjust its mining difficulty every 2016 blocks, which is, in theoretically, which is theoretically about every two weeks. Uh, as Bitcoin hash rate has been, been increasing pretty much for the entire history of Bitcoin, that usually comes in a little faster than two weeks. Uh, and that's why they have that difficulty adjustment, to try and keep it in line with about a two-week average. And along those lines, we are about 1,623 blocks away from the next mining difficulty adjustment, sometime around December 5th, about 12 days from now. And that's currently that's currently looking like, looking like that's going to be a decrease, uh, probably because with... Uh, with the cost of Bitcoin being so low, there's a lot of miners shutting off their mining power. We did have a couple stories out there about um, some small, smaller commercial mining operations shutting down uh, and uh, another Bitcoin mining operation that defaulted on their loan that they used to purchase their miners and they had to turn their mining rigs back into NIDIG. Uh, so that, you know, that would result in a lower hash rate, which would result in a negative difficulty increase. Of course, it's too soon to tell because, you know, last week when we spoke, we were looking at a, an increase of anywhere between 0.2 and 1.2%, and it turned out only being a 0.5%. But currently, we're looking at a decrease in difficulty anywhere from 0.24% to all the way up to 0.7%. That would be a gigantic difficulty decrease. Uh, again, it's too soon to tell, and I don't think we're going to see a decrease that large. Uh, if we do, hey, and if you're a miner, great, because that means you're going to get more profitable. Uh, you're going to mine a few more Satoshis with your ant miner in your garage or in your uh, hash hut. If you're mining with stranded natural gas or whatever you're doing, whatever, uh, however you're mining, uh, you know, difficult, a dec decrease in difficulty is always a welcome sign for miners. And the reason we're looking at that potentially large difficulty decrease is because blocks are currently averaging 10 minutes and 54 seconds, almost a full minute longer than Bitcoin wants them to average. Of course, as I mentioned, Bitcoin is programmed so that blocks should come in on an average of every 10 minutes. You know, sometimes they come in back to back or one every couple of minutes. Sometimes they take an hour or more. You know, you see people post on Twitter or Reddit all the time. Hey, there hasn't been a block in an hour. Does that mean Bitcoin's broken? No, it's not broken. Um, it's just an average. It's kind of like the flipping a coin analogy. If you flip a coin, half the time you should get heads, half the time you should get tails. But sometimes you might go five or six times in a row. It's like heads, heads, heads. But if you average it out over a longer time, for example, in this case, 2016 flips, it should work out to about 50% heads, 50% tails. Or in Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's case, it should average 10 minutes between blocks. Uh, and when it doesn't, that's when the difficulty is adjusted. In this case, the difficulty would be adjusted downward to decrease that time from 10 minutes and 54 seconds to 10 minutes. All right, real quick, I want to thank those of you who are listening in your favorite podcasting 2.0 app. Don't forget, if you're listening on the Fountain app, you can earn sats just for listening to your favorite podcasts. But perhaps more importantly, you can also support those podcasts through the value for value model. You can do that by streaming sats on a permanent basis to your favorite podcast or boosting your favorite podcast. If you want to send us a boost, a boostergram on Fountain comes in the form of a lightning message. So if you do send us a boost and it isn't a shill or something completely offensive that might get us banned, we will read those boosts on upcoming episodes. We do not currently have any boosts, 
But thank you to those of you who are listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps. Uh, That is much appreciated. And speaking of those of you who are listening, uh, I just checked our statistics about where people are listening from. And that hasn't changed a whole lot. About 50%, well, exactly 50% of our listeners are listening in the United States. And as usual, Argentina comes in second place, where 16% of you are listening. Germany comes in third place, where 6% of you are from. Venezuela comes in next, with 3% of you are listening from Venezuela. And for the first time, we've seen Canada move up. 2% of you are listening from Canada. Last week, 1% of you were listening from Canada. Uh, 2% of you are listening from Colombia, 2% from Mexico, 1% from Sweden, only 1% of you from the UK. That's kind of surprising because there's a lot of Bitcoin people in the UK, or at least I thought there was. 1% of you are listening from Luxembourg, and 1% of you are listening from France. Um, I guess Mexico is no longer 2%. Mexico had been 2%. Uh, Mexico, you've dropped to 13 with about 1%. Although... Listeners in Mexico, you guys had been 2% of my audience for, for more than a year, and it, it is cool to see, uh, see my friends in Mexico. I spent quite a bit of time in Mexico. Uh, I don't live in the desert southwest at the moment, um, but I did, grow up in, I did grow up fairly near the border and spent a lot of time on the other side of it uh, back when I was younger. All right, um, back to today's topics. Of course, first and foremost, I want to remind you, get your freaking coins off of Coinbase. Remember, not your keys, not your coins, but especially Coinbase. You know, Brian Armstrong tweeted out earlier in response to, I think it was in response to CZ from Binance calling out Coinbase, hinting that Coinbase might have been fractionally reserved, you know, kind of the... um, kind of alluding that they might be the next FTX. And Brian Armstrong shot back saying that they hold, uh, quote, we hold 2 million Bitcoin, 39.9 billion worth, uh, CR10Q. Of course, Coinbase is a, um, a publicly traded company, and so they are regulated. Uh, they have to be a little, more, a little more transparent about their finances than FTX had to, for example. Uh, that still doesn't mean you should ever trust an exchange. You should never, ever leave your keys on the exchange. Not just because they can go bankrupt and you can lose your Bitcoin, but because do you really want Brian Armstrong controlling 10% of all the Bitcoin in existence? You might think those are your Bitcoin, but when it comes to, you know, when it comes to uh, influence, uh, well, really all you have is an IOU, as we've seen with all these exchange collapses in the last year. You know, we seem to be going through a repeat of the 2014 Mt. Gox scenario. Fortunately, despite the fact the collapse of FTX and the collapse of the Luna token and the Celsius network and all the other Ponzi's this year, were pretty horrible and gigantic in, in dollar value terms. Remember when Mt. Gox collapsed, it was pretty much the only Bitcoin exchange out there. So even though it was only hundreds of millions of dollars of the Bitcoin as opposed to billions of dollars of the Bitcoin that, got, uh, that disappeared, or in FTX's case, didn't exist in the first place. Uh, as far as crippling the infrastructure goes, it has nowhere near the impact that, uh, that the Mt. Gox collapse had. And of course, for those of us that are in this for the long term, um, this is exciting because previously during the four-year halving cycle, Bitcoin had never fallen below its old all-time high once it set a new all-time high. This is the first time ever in Bitcoin's history it's done that. I'd like to consider that a black swan event. You know, you obviously 
can't compare this cycle to the previous cycles because this is the first time we've had a Bitcoin cycle where we're pretty much looking at a worldwide recession when the markets are collapsing all over the world. And then just with the whole, you know, Luna, Celsius, FTX collapse, uh, this is definitely this is definitely one of those times when this time is different. And as a result, we're getting to stack cheap sets. So instead of looking this looking at this as a bad thing or a or a, a situation to panic in, you should be thanking your lucky stars and stacking more sats. As I always say, every time Bitcoin has hit a new all-time high, even the stack I have, which isn't a, I'm no whale, but you know, it's it's a nicer stack than a lot of people have. I always look back and go, "Man, I don't have enough Bitcoin. I'm never going to reach that goal that I wanted now. It's too late. You know, I've really missed out." And, uh, and no, you haven't missed out. It isn't ever too late. The important thing is you just keep stacking. But this is a second chance. This is a golden opportunity. This is a chance to stack those $16,000 sats that you wished you could have stacked when Bitcoin was 50000 or when Bitcoin was 60000 So please do yourself a favor and, you know, again, not financial advice, do your own research. But man, this is your opportunity to build that stack. Speaking of price, there was a really funny meme out there, and it goes along with that Black Friday thing that I, uh, Black Friday sale that I mentioned in the intro, but it was a picture of Dorian Nakamoto, you know, the, the infamous person that was uh, doxxed by the media to that when they thought he was Satoshi Nakamoto. Of course, obviously he wasn't, uh, although there are some interesting ties. For example, he lived just down the street from Hal Finney, and Hal Finney, a lot of people suspect, may have actually been Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, there's reasons to believe that. There's reasons to believe that's not true as well. Who knows? I don't think we'll ever know. But uh, Dorian Nakamoto kind of became the de facto face for Satoshi Nakamoto, since people like to put a face to Satoshi. So it was a picture, that famous picture of Dorian out front of his house making that, that grimacy face. And it, and it said, breaking news, Bitcoin CEO lowers price for Black Friday. And that's the way you should look at this, guys. This is Black Friday. This is your chance to stack those sets. Um, hopefully you bought in below 16,000, but even if you didn't, man, just to, you know, just to be able to buy at 16 or 17,000, just to be able to buy below 69,000 is a good deal. Of course, there are those who are calling for the price of Bitcoin to plummet further. The hosts of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast have repeatedly said that they would not be surprised to see Bitcoin below 10,000. I think it's Len, the co-host of the CBP podcast that says he's, he expects to see sub four digit Bitcoin. If you remember the last bear market, there were plenty of people who thought Bitcoin was going to fall to $1,000 or less, and of course it didn't. So there's a happy medium sum there. Could Bitcoin hit sub 10000 Maybe. Uh, but is it worth risking missing out on that $16,000 Bitcoin when it doesn't? If you know we do our show next week and all of a sudden Bitcoin's over 25000 or 30000 again, you know the chances of that happening might be relatively slim because there's still a lot of people pretty nervous about the price of Bitcoin. And markets in general tend to go down around Christmas time or the Chinese New Year later in the spring, you know, when people are strapped for cash and they're maxing out their credit cards to, to pay for the holidays. So we don't make price predictions on this podcast, but what we do say is that Bitcoin, Bitcoin's on sale, guys. I can't emphasize that enough. Stack those sets. So it was just a couple of, not even not even two weeks ago on the 16th of November when Coindesk was saying that Bitcoin was going to drop to 12000 or lower. Uh, their headline is Bitcoin's next support level closer to the $12,000 range. 
Their article saying, quote, it's now been more than a week since the price of Bitcoin hit a two-year low around 15600 Of course, it went back up a bit before going back down to 15400 um, Getting back to their quote, and price charts suggest a drop to 13000 is still possible, blah, blah, blah. But basically, um, that was just one of those FUD articles using TA transaction analysis to try and show that Bitcoin could possibly go down. Of course, if you remember the last crypto winner, the last halving cycle, Bitcoin went mostly sideways in that $6,000 range, basically from June of 2018 to about November of 2018, kind of like we hit that, you know, we plummeted in June of 2022 and, and we stayed in kind of a sideways range with maybe a little bit of a descending here and there, but basically stay between in the $20,000 range from June to November, just like we did in 2018. In 2018, in November, Bitcoin tanked uh, to 3,300. In that case, that was because of the black swan event of the hash wars. In this November, Bitcoin tanked to 15,000 something, and that was as a result of the FTX black swan event. But it seems like there's been a black swan event every halving cycle where Bitcoin you know, goes down about 60 to 70%, and then it just pukes down that one last time to get that 80% drawdown that Bitcoin always seems to do during the bear market. And here we are, almost 80% down from our all-time high. But either way, after we do have that final capitulation, Bitcoin goes sideways for, you know, a couple of months. Last time it went sideways from November 2018 till about April of 2019, so four or five months. And then it slowly began its climb back up to uh, the halving and then the new bull run after that. With the minor exception that there was that March 2020 lockdown crash where everything tanked, the stock markets tanked, Bitcoin tanked, you know, when businesses were closed and you were forced to stay in your homes. Uh, that was the ultimate black swan event, and it was very short-lived in the Bitcoin price. The stock markets recovered fairly quickly, but Bitcoin recovered almost instantly. Uh, and the rest is history. Besides the bears out there, there are also plenty of people calling a bottom. Plan B, as you know, has been pretty much calling a bottom since June. While he was definitely wrong about June being the bottom, uh, it's pretty close. You know, that, um, that, that puke down in June, we had a little bit of an increase before, it, before this second, second big capitulation. But nonetheless, Plan B is out there tweeting a series of charts, such as his realized price chart, etc. That if you look at his chart, seem to indicate that we're about where a bottom should be when you're comparing, you know, this cycle to the previous cycles. I saw another chart posted on Twitter, and I don't remember who posted it exactly, but it was similar to those posted, posted by Equinometrics, where it overlays the previous halving cycles. In this case, the chart compared halving cycles by duration and draws the conclusion that we're within, we're either at or within 100 days of the bottom um, and or the resumption of the next bull cycle. When you look at this uh for your having cycle overlaid against all the previous ones. Within about 100 days from now, Bitcoin was at the point where it's trending back up on its way to the next having bull run. Uh, numerous financial talking heads out there when it comes to the stock market and traditional finance have been claiming for months now that they expect uh, the stock markets and financial markets to bottom sometime, or by, sometime around March. Uh, a lot of that has to do with that's also when they forecast the Federal Reserve to pause their Interest rate hikes, if you remember, Jerome Powell had hinted that maybe starting in December, instead of a three-quarter percent interest rate hike, 75-bit hike, they're going to reduce that to a couple of couple more uh, 50% or half a percent, 50 bips hikes, uh, maybe two or three more of them, and then hold 
the interest rates where they are to wait and see what the results had been. Uh, and that would correspond to about that March timeframe. Um, anyway, the changing macro picture should benefit Bitcoin as well. If the stock markets and, uh, and the other financial markets really do bottom out and start uh, their next bull run sometime after March, then you would expect a lot of that sell pressure to disappear from risk assets such as Bitcoin as well. Uh, and that would be good for Bitcoin. Regardless of what the Bitcoin price is doing, institutions are continuing to increase their Bitcoin infrastructure. The uh, latest example of this is JP Morgan gave us a hint as to what they're up to with a recent trademark filing registered, dated registered November 15th. JP Morgan trademarked the term JP Morgan wallet. The filing states that the trademark is to be used in association with, quote, financial services, namely providing electronic transfer of virtual currencies. They go on to say, as well as, quote, financial exchange of virtual currencies and cryptocurrency payment processing. So, um, you know, the big players out there are still moving forward with getting more and more involved in Bitcoin or crypto in general. But as far as we're concerned, Bitcoin, uh, with JP Morgan obviously planning a crypto wallet or a crypto exchange of some sort by trademarking the name JP Morgan Wallet. So the reason this is important is because when that next having bull run kicks off, you know, people keep saying, when are the institutions coming? And to some extent, the institutions are there. We have Michael Saylor, you know, Tesla, SpaceX, having made Bitcoin investments, et cetera. Um, you know, you've got the Grayscale uh, Bitcoin and Trust. You've got Kathy Wood's ARC Fund investing in Bitcoin. But there hasn't been a whole lot in the way of infrastructure for financial institutions to FOMO in. And so when the next bull run kicks off, and there is that institutional FOMO, there's going to be a, a spigot for those institutions to siphon Bitcoin out of. You know, if JP Morgan is one of those big players, that's, that's you know, that's, a, that's an institution that Wall Street and, you know, the other big financial institutions trust. So the easier it is for these institutions to FOMO in, the greater that institutional FOMO and the greater that institutional adoption is going to be. And I honestly believe that we ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to institutional FOMO. Maybe next bull run is going to be that year when we see it because uh, the opportunity for, for the big players to get into Bitcoin will certainly be there. And I'm not a big fan of institutional adoption. A lot of people say we need regulation to help bring the financial institutions in and we need the, we need the financial institutions getting on board. But part of the reason I'm happy to see this big dip in Bitcoin prices is because I don't want the financial institutions getting involved yet. I don't want them controlling 10% of the Bitcoin out there. It's really cool that Michael Saylor is a big Bitcoin bull, but I don't want Michael Saylor being the most dominant Bitcoin owner out there. You know, it's cool that he's going to get rich and be one of the most powerful companies in the world one day, theoretically, because of his Bitcoin holdings. But I want you to have that Bitcoin. I want you to be able to be the next Bitcoin millionaire, the next Bitcoin billionaire. I want you to be financially secure, not JP Morgan to be, you know, benefiting from Bitcoin. Bitcoin's out there for, you know, as Satoshi Nakamoto said, it's a peer-to-peer -peer network and you are the peers, guys. We don't want JP Morgan to be the peers. So uh, this dip, hopefully it has cooled off the institutional FOMO, uh, held it off long enough that you can build your stack before it's too late, that before 50% of Bitcoin is owned by banks and central banks. You know, people want central banks to issue currencies with, you know, instead of being on the gold standard, being on the Bitcoin standard where their dollars or whatever are backed by Bitcoin. 
Uh, I don't want that to be the case. I want you to own the Bitcoin. I don't want there to be enough Bitcoin on the market out there for Russia or Venezuela or the United States or anyone to be snapping up all that Bitcoin. And speaking of government snapping up that Bitcoin, a year after the president of El Salvador, Naya Bikele, announced his Bitcoin volcano bonds, Bitcoin Magazine is reporting that El Salvador has taken a major step towards finally issuing those volcano bonds, saying, quote, El Salvador's Minister of the Economy, Maria Luis Jaime Bre Bre Breve, sorry, I'm stumbling over my Spanish here, submitted a digital assets issuance bill to the country's legislative assembly, paving the way for the launch of its Bitcoin-backed volcano bonds. As you may remember, El Salvador announced almost a year ago to the day that they were planning on issuing $1 billion, this is my words, not Bitcoin Magazine's words, $1 billion in Bitcoin-backed bonds, the bonds are going to pay a 6.5% yield with 50% of the proceeds from the sales of the bonds being used to purchase Bitcoin and the other 50% being used to develop energy and Bitcoin mining infrastructure, you know, to help build that Bitcoin city that Naya Bukele unveiled. Besides paying that 6.5% coupon, though, El Salvador is going to share half of the gains from the value that they accrue by any increase in the value of Bitcoin. So, for example, if Bitcoin 10Xs, in addition to that 6.5% coupon you'll get from owning the bond, uh, they're going to also pay out dividends from the increase in the Bitcoin's value. In addition, investors are going to be eligible for fast-tracked uh, El Salvadoran citizenship. So if you want to be part of Bitcoin City or be in El Salvador or just have that backup passport, uh, you're going to be on the fast-track fast track for El Salvadoran citizenship if you are a uh, volcano bond investor. The bonds are going to be sold by Bitfinex, and the article continues... The act of submitting the bill, which was hinted at earlier this year, kickstarts the first major milestone before the bonds can see the light of day. The next is getting it approved, which is expected to happen before, before Christmas, a source close to President Naya Bikele told Bitcoin Magazine. All right. Um, so a lot of you might be down in the dumps about the price of Bitcoin, and if you're staring at your Bitcoin stack and you're looking at the U.S. dollar value, if you're truly valuing your wealth in U.S. dollars and not the number of sats you have, uh, I can see why you might, you know, feel a little down. As I've repeatedly emphasized, though, you should value your wealth in Bitcoin. And if that is the case, uh, your stack has been increasing and it's going to increase today if you do your DCA alongside us. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say before we get into that DCA is crypto graffiti on Twitter has spearheaded the at no CBDC, no CBDC campaign using the handle at no CBDC on Twitter. And they're putting up some pretty entertaining uh, anti-CBD signs around cities. Uh, I've seen pictures of several of them. He's tweeted out one in particular that's got a kind of a surveillance camera logo with an I and a dollar sign in it. It says no CBDC. The big game is tomorrow and it's your turn to host. You try to check out at the grocery store, but are flagged. The bulk pack of chicken wings puts your family past this month's meat allotment. Security suggests tofu dogs. Say no to central bank digital currencies. Choose freedom. Choose Bitcoin. These signs are great. And uh, hopefully they pop up all over the place because, um, you know, the normies out there are going to love their CBDC because it's going to make it easier for them to get their uh, stimmy checks or their tutoring checks or their heat electric bill stimmy checks or whatever the latest government subsidy handout is going to be. Um, and 
you know, they're going to fall all over themselves to cuck themselves to the federal government. But the CBDCs are going to be a disaster. Fortunately, we have Bitcoin as your opt out because imagine the U.S. dollar where every transaction you make is known immediately by the IRS and the money is, can be programmable as the World Economic Forum said, not only by the government, but even by your employer. If your employer doesn't want you spending your money on meat or doesn't want you donating to a particular political party or maybe going to a certain club or buying a certain book or seeing a movie they don't want you to see, um, you know, CBDCs are programmable for how you can spend them. Uh, if you try and save them, they, ex they, are, they can be programmed to expire to prevent you from, from building your savings. Uh, they're truly a slave coin, and that's how they should be referred to, a slave coin. And anyway, that at no CBDC campaign is really amusing and fairly educational, so it's really cool to see that out there. All right, back to why we're here, and that is because today is DCA Wednesday. If you were just following us for the first time and you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging, and dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 70th stack. We started stacking on Wednesday all the way back in July of 2021. So our regular intervals is Wednesday. As they say, you do you. Some people choose to dollar cost average based on whatever they get paid. So that might be weekly or that might be bi-weekly. But, you know, payday is a good day to do your DCA. Some people stack daily. There are services out there that will let you DCA hourly. I think DCAing hourly is a little bit excessive as we've seen Weekly seems to be smoothing out those prices. And while we didn't buy the, the lowest point so far, the 15460 uh, we did stack at 16000 uh, in the $16,000 range last week. And it looks like we're going to stack at about the same price this week. Uh, and our equal portion we chose is $20. And again, the reason we chose $20 is because we wanted to show that regardless of how much money you have, if you can come up with just 20 bucks a week, you can build a stack of Bitcoin. You can build something that will hopefully turn into generational wealth. You don't have to be rich to do so. Again, you do you. Your equal portion should be whatever you feel comfortable investing, You know whether that's $20, $100, $1,000, $1 billion, uh, and your regular interval. Uh, we like weekly, but that's up to you as well. Weekly has worked out fairly well for us for the, for the purposes of demonstrating the DCA hypothesis in this podcast. Again, so far we've stacked uh, 70 times. We've stacked a total of $1,380 in just a little over a year. That has scored us a stack of 4,291,442 sats at an average cost basis of $32,157.02. Uh, that is obviously about half of what Bitcoin is currently valued at. However, if you had YOLO'd in and stacked, you know, that $13,080 back on July 28th of 2021 when we started the podcast, that would have only scored you 3,524,992 sats, a full million sats less than what we have by DCAing. Uh, so, you know, take that for what you will. And obviously, dollar cost averaging is a long-term play. It's too early to determine whether DCA has been a success for us or not. Of course, we started DCAing after Bitcoin had already set its new all-time high, so we DCA'd all the way up. Now we're DCAing all the way down, and the cool thing about DCAing on the way down is we're slowly bringing that average cost basis down by DCAing uh, on the in the bear market in December or correction September alone. We decreased our average cost basis by more than one thousand nine hundred and. 
$20. And hopefully we're going to knock that average cost basis down significantly today. And to do our stack as traditional, literally every single stack we've done using the Cash App, Cash App may or may not be available where you're at, and it might not be the best choice for you, but I like Cash App because it seems to be the easiest way to stack, especially when you're stacking relatively small amounts. It may not be available where you're at, and it isn't necessarily the cheapest way to stack. If you're going to be stacking large amounts of you know, fiat, large fiat values, you might want to find an exchange that, that charges you lower fees. But we're going to use the Cash App. And if you want to use the Cash App and you don't already have it, there is a referral code in the show notes. If you click on that referral code and sign up using that link, you'll get five bucks free just for signing up. And the show will get five bucks free as well. So that'll be tipping us five bucks while you get paid five bucks to do so. So please consider clicking on that link. Cash App is not a sponsor of the show. Every Cash App user has a referral code. So if you don't want to use ours, use a friend's or a family member's to get your free five bucks. But please consider using ours because that will support the podcast. And hopefully if you're getting some value out of listening to this podcast, uh, you'd appreciate and we'd both appreciate you uh, tipping us that five bucks and getting paid to do it. So free money for you, free money for us. Uh, nonetheless, we're going to open up the handy dandy cash app. And the nice thing about cash app that I think is way nicer than a lot of exchanges, uh, a lot of other ways to purchase Bitcoin. I don't have any money on my cash app. They're going to let me transfer money to the cash app immediately. I'm adding 20 bucks right now. And it's already on my cash app. It's already available for me to use. And it's already available for me to transfer out immediately. I explained on the last episode that I'd helped a family member transfer their Bitcoin off of Coinbase. Uh, since it was low, they wanted to buy more Bitcoin, so they made another purchase. Um, and because they had purchased new Bitcoin, I was able to transfer, it was able to help them transfer most of their Bitcoin off Coinbase. But the new amount that they purchased, and it was a fairly significant chunk, Coinbase made them wait five business days before they were able to transfer it because they want to make sure that those U.S. dollar funds settle. Cash App isn't like that. I'm about ready to buy this Bitcoin, and they're going to let me send it to my hardware wallet immediately. Uh, I don't send $20 at a time to my hardware wallet. I know I just said get your Bitcoin off exchanges. Um, I'm comfortable leaving $20 of the Bitcoin on Cash App. If I lose it, that would really suck. But the way I look at it is that um, I've seen Bitcoin in the previous bull market go all the way up to where it costs as much as $30 in mining fees just to make a transfer. So in that case, the $20 would be worthless. You wouldn't be able to move it. So I personally send Bitcoin to my hardware wallet in about 1 million Satoshi chunks. That's something you're going to have to consider. Uh, you're going to have to make that call. Of course, using the Lightning Network, if you send it to your Lightning wallet, that concern is completely irrelevant because Lightning Network transactions are basically free. So we'll get into a little bit more of that in a future podcast. I intend to do a cold storage podcast. I need to remember to talk about, you know, moving and aggregating potentially in a non-custodial lightning wallet uh, to aggregate your Bitcoin to large enough UTXOs that you're not worried about paying large mining fees uh, when it does come time to move that Bitcoin at a later date. All right, enough jabber, John. I'm going to click on purchase Bitcoin, enter $20 and hit confirm. And boom, just like that, we've purchased another 118,708 Satoshis at a price of $16,469.03. That is the cheapest we have stacked during this entire podcast. That is the most sats we've ever gotten for our US dollars during this entire podcast. You know, isn't quite as low as that, I mean, as, as that $15,400 mark. It's almost $1,000 more, but still significantly lower. 
than, uh, than we have been stacking. And perhaps most importantly, that purchase is going to knock our average cost basis down another $412.07. Our average cost basis is now $31,744.95. The longer Bitcoin stays down, the lower that's going to go. Obviously, one day when Bitcoin reclaims its all-time high, uh, it doesn't really matter what your average cost basis is as long as it's under the 69000 or 100000 or whatever the current value of Bitcoin is at that point in time. Uh, this purchase means that just in the month of November, we've lowered our average cost basis by $1,574.16. Again, something we wouldn't have been able to do had we YOLO'd in all at once. Uh, and as long as Bitcoin stays on sale, that's trending down more than $400 a week. So hopefully next week we'll be able to knock another $400 off of that, um, you know, another month or two. If Bitcoin stays on sale through the end of the year, we'll hopefully have that average cost basis under $30,000 of Bitcoin. Uh, and that'll, that'll, be, that'll, be, that'll be set up to be looking really pretty when Bitcoin starts its next bull run. Again, none of that will matter if Bitcoin hits that $1 million, you know, per Bitcoin moon one day or whatever you think the moon is going to be. All that really matters is the size of that stack. And our stack is currently 4,410,150 sats. If Bitcoin does hit that 1 million mark, that's a stack that would, be in, would have a U.S. dollar value of $44,101.50. Obviously, significantly more than the, you know, than the, than the $1,400 that we've invested thus far. Even if Bitcoin only goes up to $100,000, which I don't think anyone thinks is out of the realm of possibility for the next bull run, our stack would have a U.S. dollar value of $4,410.15. Significantly, I mean, more than double the uh, $1,400 we have invested so far, and significantly more than the, uh, the $3,500 it would be worth had we YOLO'd in and bought all those sats back in July of 2021 instead of dollar cost averaging. Real quick, I want to ask you to follow us on Twitter. The more people to follow us on Twitter, the more people we can hopefully orange pill on Twitter. Our handle is at BTC Bulletin Pod, at BTC Bulletin on Pod, at, sorry, at BTC Bulletin Pod. Uh, I've been kind of neglecting our YouTube channel because we don't really do video podcasts. I have been taking the audio stream and overlaying it against some, some graphics and putting up the charts and, and graphics of the tweets and stuff I talk about. I'm a little bit behind on that, but we do have a YouTube channel if you prefer to watch. One of these days, maybe I'll start uh, live streaming our podcasts. Uh, more and more people tend to be watching their podcasts on YouTube, so uh, let me know. Reach out to us on Twitter. DM us on Twitter. Let us know. Do you want to see this, this podcast in video form, or do you prefer to listen uh, in audio form? You know, podcasts traditionally were kind of like the audiobooks of information. People tend to listen to them on their drive home or when they're working on a task. I listen to podcasts when I'm going out and getting my exercise for the day, whether you're at the gym or going on a walk, just walking up the beach, whatever you're doing. That's, that's when I tend to take in my podcasts. So watching video podcasts, even though a lot of my favorite podcasts, you know, live stream video first and then become podcasts, I usually don't watch their video feed because I don't want to stare at my phone while I'm taking my stroll up the beach. Uh, but let us know, and you can do that by contacting us on Twitter, or you can also email me, and my email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com, bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. Uh, both of those should be in the show notes, our at BTC Bulletin Pod Twitter handle and our email address. I do want to hear what you have to say. I would like your feedback. Uh, it would be really cool if you send your feedback in the form of a boost uh, via Fountain. Boosts 
always make you feel good and make you feel appreciated. But either way, please reach out and let us know what you think, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, uh, what you'd like me to cover. Whether you want us to do a live video feed or whether you're happy listening on audio, uh, whether you whether you do 50-50, there are some ways you can support the show as well. We do have tipping in, of, uh, activated on Twitter, so if you feel so inclined, you can tip us on Twitter. There's also a support link at the anchor.fm um, there's a, it's, it's in our show notes, or if you're listening through anchor.fm, if you heard the, the commercial at the beginning the, of the podcast, uh, you know that we do host this podcast on anchor.fm, Anchor by Spotify. Again, the easiest way to support us is by listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app. Even if you don't choose to stream us sats or hit us with a boost, you can earn sats just by listening on the Fountain app. You can also support us by using those referral links we spoke about. There's that Cash App referral link where you get five bucks free for just signing up. If Cash App isn't your thing, we also have a Strike referral link in the show notes where you'll get 10 bucks free just for signing up and using Strike. Again, that's something I've always intended to do is to do an episode about Strike as well because Strike is neat. If Strike's available where you're at, I use Strike all the time because I like to pay people in Bitcoin if they accept Bitcoin. But like you, I don't like giving up any of my stacks. So I can use the Strike app to pay you Bitcoin, but I'm paying with US dollars. So it takes US dollars out of my account but sends it as a lightning payment or an on-chain Bitcoin payment. So you get Bitcoin, but it doesn't decrease my stack. And that is a really cool way to promote the use of Bitcoin, to send people maybe their first Bitcoin, but not to deplete your stack. If you do deplete your stack, don't forget to buy and replace. And again, if you want to start using Strike, please consider using that referral link. You'll get five bucks free for doing so. Correction, you'll get 10 bucks free for doing so. And 10 bucks will go to support the show. Last but not least, there's that base 32 address in the show notes if you want to contribute Bitcoin on-chain. If you are watching a video version of this podcast, that's that QR code in the bottom left-hand corner. And again, please follow us on Twitter. We are at BTC Bullet Pod on Twitter. And please consider giving us a review on whichever app you're using, pod, uh, you're using to listen to this podcast. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you give us a five-star review or you give us a two-star review. Whatever you think is honest, we want an honest review from you, of course, We'd appreciate a five-star review, and hopefully, if you're listening to us, it's because you enjoy this podcast, so uh, rate accordingly, but please do so, because the more reviews we get, the more likely we are to be featured, the more people are likely to find out about this podcast, the more likely to find out about Bitcoin, and the more likely to find out about dollar-cost averaging, people that might not think they can get into Bitcoin with just 20 bucks or so, people that might think they're too late, hopefully we can hopefully we can help to orange pill them. But either way, don't forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday for our dollar cost average episodes. But until then, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>